We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. We see the way the world's going and we want to integrate more tech, but we don't quite know how to get it done because we try to do it all at once. Or then we think, do we even really need to get rid of that old lesson that we have that's awesome and it's awesome so we keep using it each year? Why should we have to change that? Hey, everyone. Dr. Jones here again with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And this week, my guest is Jed Stefanowitz. He's a digital learning coach out of Walpole, Massachusetts. And Jed explains that when getting somebody to move over to incorporate technology, it isn't about doing it all at once. So what you do is you address the wellness, the competency, the creativity aspects of it. Jed and I have a great conversation, not just about those digital domains, but how, as leaders, we can support, engage, and empower our digital coaches more so that they can have a greater impact on those teachers they serve. We hit so many different topics, but you can narrow it down to things that explain effective effort, motivation versus commitment, focus versus distraction, and how we can make a bigger impact on those around us. And a matter of fact, while I'm talking about impact, I have to mention his latest book, Impact to Influence, is a fantastic piece of work that you're going to want to pick up. And interestingly enough, he describes it as a project, not a product. And of course, that got us talking in his first book, Take Aim at Digital Learning, Activate, Innovate, and motivate. Look, Jed's all about making sure teachers get what they need so that they can have a better experience in the classroom and positively impact more students. This is a great conversation. Remember, if you like this episode or find value in these shows, take a few seconds, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen, and leave an honest rating and review to help others hear it also. I sure would be appreciative. And now, that's enough from me. Let's hear from Jed on this week's episode of Seeing to Lead. Most importantly, is it in service of students? Is it in service of learning? Are the practices you're doing, are you, are you to your support, engage, and power? Is it in service of students? And is it in service of the reason you got into this job in the first place? So many leaders we see, so many teachers we see, that's eroded so far away from why they got into the job that... I think a leader's job is to remind them why they're here in the first place. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought 
thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. As a digital learning coach in Walpole, Massachusetts, Jed Stefanowitz provides job-embedded professional development and instructional coaching for academic technology. Through conferences, workshops, and coaching, Jed aims to engage and build staff slash student digital learning capacity, keeping the focus on practice over product. As a 25-year elementary educator, speaker, blogger, and former Massachusetts Teach Plus Policy Fellow, Jed shares his passion for effective tech integration to transform teaching and learning, creating engaging and equitable digital learning environments and experiences that activate, innovate, and motivate digital learning. He is the author of Take Aim at Digital Learning, Activate, Innovate, and Motivate, and Impact to Influence. Check out his blog at Stefanowitz Class at blogspot.com. Jed is also a MassQ Level 4 educator. I'm pretty excited about having Jed here today because you may have noticed that the Take Aim at Digital Learning, Activate, Innovate, and Motivate. He was once a guest on this show before where we were talking about his book. So this is a second appearance. And this time we're going to talk about his Influence to Impact book. So welcome, Jed. Thanks for coming on again. Chris, great to see you. Thank you very much. And uh, appreciate pronouncing my name right. All I had to tell you once was it rhymes with banana wits and you get it right every time. <laughs> hey, you put food in the in the mix. I'm going to I'm going to get it right, whatever the next That's task right. is. And by the way, it's our book, Impact Influence, because you're a guest in the book and I'm proud to uh-huh. have you featured inside there. Well, thank you for that very much. I was very flattered and, and proud to be in it and that you that you shared my story. And you actually shared one of my my favorite stories about blacksmithing, but um, we'll get to that because I'm not the only person in there. You mentioned that I'm one of the people in there. So why don't you tell people about this book? Because as we mentioned in the pre-show talk that we had, it wasn't about the product. It was about the project. So why don't you walk us through that and why it's important in education to do things like this? Yeah. You know what? I was really I didn't realize it until the end what a project it was for me. I was trying to think about What would be a really cool thing? And I realized really at the end of it, when I was examining all the through lines and comparing all the stories and finding all the similarities and common attributes that these leaders share, that it was in a lot of ways, a personal collection and connection for me among all these people whom I admire um, and have really found interesting ways of leading and interesting ways of broadening their reach, amplifying voices, both within and beyond the classroom. So the idea of the book, it's called Impact to Influence. It's a collection of 20 individuals who have, just about everyone was a classroom teacher at one point, and then moved either through admin or into publishing or podcasting. There are three teachers of the year, a national teacher of the year, just these really fascinating figures who I've known a lot of them for for a long, long time, who've been influential to me, or connectors that I know have connected among characters in the book, or a couple of people that were just kind of, I reached out and I kind of a long shot like Peter and Paul Reynolds. And, you know, they, they're not classroom educators, but they've had more influence than any teacher I ever imagined. So part of it was just hearing, hearing their stories and wanting to find out how did you get these ideas? And then how did you kind of make them come true? And what's cool about the book, and what I remember the day I told you about it, you're you're furious that you hadn't thought of it, which <laughs> it was. Um, you know, you read four or five pages about Chris Jones, and then there's a QR code that goes to a Zoom interview between the two of us. And part of it was 
Yeah, I don't I don't think the world needs more podcasts. There are people a lot better than me doing it. And this is a perfect example. But everyone's very comfortable on a Zoom now. Everyone can talk about themselves for 10, 20, 30 minutes. So I wanted to find a way. And also, I will, I will admit, yours was the first podcast I ever did. And it wasn't a matter of, well, if he can do it, I can do it kind of thing. It was more a matter of, how can I do this? How can I like get in on this? It's so cool to sit and talk with someone. You're kind of, it, it feels foreign at first, but then there's an intimacy of talking with someone about themselves and about something that they're so passionate about because it's truly our craft, whether it's, you know, smithing or teaching, or you're talking about a craft that someone has really taken the time to hone. And, you know, they rarely get asked about that process and what brought them to that point. So I really wanted to showcase and celebrate these leaders and find out how they did it. That's, you know, it's interesting because you said, how can I do this? And by the way, anybody that hasn't listened to your previous episode needs to go back and listen to it because you were a fantastic guest. So thank you. Um, you can't hide behind that first time ever. But uh, we're missing that a lot in schools and even, dare I say, society today, or at least I noticed that when you see somebody doing something that's good, it's not so much, what, how can I do this? It's more of, I want that without paying attention to the work the effort, and all of those things, those sometimes, uh, you know, unmeasurable things that go into it. We just see the end result of successful people or something that's successful. And instead of saying, how can I do this? We say, how do I get that? Or I want that. So it's important. Works like you put out, I think, are important to showcase that. And how do we as Leaders, teachers, administrators, whatever term you want to use, how do we get that feeling back into students? How do we teachers teaching that and leaders exuding the that quality of I want to be where that person is or do what that person's doing. So I need to find out from them what they're doing, do my research and put the work in. Yeah, we don't have the structures to teach each other. And, you know, whether it's PD or training. I think what's been fascinating was during COVID, how everything changed. People learned how to do so many things. And there was a great empowerment, self-empowerment of, well, I'm going to learn how to make sourdough bread. I'm going to learn how to, you know, change my own valve in the shower. I'm going to, whatever it was, I think people are realizing they can deliver a lot of that content to themselves. And, you know, they try it and they realize, oh, there's a reason you need a professional to do certain things. There's a reason, you know, you're now, 50 podcasts are probably better than your first 50 podcasts. And, you know, that piece of it is really fascinating to me, that that growth. And just like teachers, right? It's And during the pandemic, you know, I don't know a teacher that didn't feel like they stunk at their job. And I also don't know a teacher who doesn't admit that they did stink at their job for a period of time until they were able to pivot and find what they needed to find to do what they knew how to do in their bones, how to teach better, how to how to just break away from what the demands were, the requirements, the constraints, and then just reconnect with kids. And then coming back was really fascinating to watch. How are we rebuilding community? And then what's the reaction and sometimes overreaction, whether it was disregarding technology. So from an instructional coaching point of view, it's totally blank slate. Right now, It's every coach I talk to is kind of in a really interesting place where 
I always say that, you know, a coach's primary job is to stretch people out of their comfort zones. But no, people have not been in their comfort zones for four years. So it's a really challenging thing to do is to talk about somebody's practice when they're feeling like, all right, we're finally back. We're finally reestablishing community. But there's, you know, this curriculum that arrived and this new mandate and this and that, because there's always going to be those things. But to your point, you find someone that, you know, is doing something that you admire. You find someone that, and it's, you're right. It's not, how can I get this? But how, how can I do that? How can I learn from that person? And we don't have those structures to stop and observe and ask and watch and learn rather than just how do I join that list? How do I join that Facebook group? How do I join that, you know, because learning something on YouTube is going to show you how to replicate it, but it's not going to show you how to deliver Especially, I mean, think about it, right? You you get a lesson on teachers pay teachers. Well, the joke might be on you when you try to roll it out and the magic doesn't happen. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. And I and I I equate teaching and leading to coaching because coaches, they need to stretch, like you said, and especially a, a digital learning coach, they need to stretch the people they're working with, but in the end they need a product, right? They need a result. There has to be something. Um, typically growth that comes out of that stretching. And so while they're coaching them along, they still need in the end something to occur. And you talk a lot about domains of digital learning and you talk about PD and where coaches fit in. But what you just said, the thing that I liked about what you just said is it's a clean slate and we want people to stretch and be uncomfortable, even though they've been uncomfortable for, for four years. How can digital learning coaches or leaders for that matter, or anybody working with teachers, take that mindset of a clean slate or a blank slate and get teachers to start to write on it rather than a perspective of I'm not good enough or I'm failing at this from a perspective of I have a chance to do something that might help me be more efficient, might help me be more effective in the classroom so that I can still hang on to those things I liked from the quarantines and the lockdowns that are personally valuable to me while still being able to do a bang up job in the classroom. It sounds like what you're asking is how can you really feed that teacher agency? Because we talk a lot about student agency, but it's that teacher agency. You know, how can they think about learning something new? How can they take that responsibility? How can they feel that ownership, reclaim the joy for the job that they grew to hate? How can they find that engagement and motivation and not get frustrated? So that blank slate, you would have loved it. Last, uh, last Friday, actually, just our last uh, academic day, what our district had our PD day. And I did a couple of sessions. One was called Power Up Publishing, and it was ways of rethinking, showcasing student learning. But the other was, uh, it was called Learning to Learn. And it was really a step back. And the idea was, when was the last time you thought about how you learned something new? And aside from COVID, learning to teach and something you really are passionate about, and we had to do it in a really rotten way. So in this 15-minute session, by the time you left, you would know how to juggle, solve a Rubik's Cube, and play Freebird on a ukulele. So I should have called it Life of the Party, of course. (laughs) I was was going to (laughs) say... I can't wait to hear this and I don't want to interrupt you, but free bird on a ukulele. I'm just going to hang on to that one. Yeah, I know. 
But it didn't mean that you would be walking out doing those things. You would walk out knowing how to do those things. And that was a big difference because for me, I wrote a blog years ago about solving a Rubik's Cube. And for me, I've got, you know, a family and a band full of individuals who will tell you I'm not great at taking direction. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm like, well, I can solve a, a Rubik's Cube. Anyone can, but I don't know how to do it. I need to find out how to do this. So it's really just like a skill acquisition exercise. I'm going to have to figure out how to do it, learn in a way that I'm not comfortable with, and I'm really going to have to set goals, all these things that are part of the learning process. And truly, anyone can solve a Rubik's Cube. It's not a puzzle. It's just a series of steps to follow, just like any other skill you're wanting to do. So I did teach myself how to do it. I Well, I didn't teach myself. I watched videos. I had my son teach me. I had you know, followed the steps and, and I was able to memorize it. And if you can memorize seven phone numbers, you can follow, you can solve a Rubik's Cube because it's just knowing what to do when, just like good teaching, just like any other good practice, being able to be aware of your surroundings, aware of the circumstances, and then which steps to apply to solve a particular problem or complete a step. So, and the same thing goes with juggling, right? I can show you how to do it. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to do it right away, but you'll know what you need to do Freebird on a ukulele, I'll show you where your fingers go and you strum one, two, three, four. You can do, anyone can do it. It's just a matter of what's it going to take for you to be able to do it. And is that something you're interested in, whether it's your passion or whether it's just a skill you're determined to do, have stepping back and really learn, looking at the learning of what it took to do it. That was the whole thing. And then of course, through the lens of you know, imagine being a student in your classroom and the, the positions we put them in and one, this might be really easy for one person and someone else can't do it. There's a very obvious, it's very analogous to, to classrooms where you say, oh, it's easy. Well, it's only easy if it's easy. And if it's not easy, there's what experience is that like for an adult when you're dropping stuff on the floor and you feel just like you're fumbling and uncoordinated? It's it's funny that you said the idea of, oh, it's easy. That's the worst thing you can ever say to somebody that's not getting it. Right. To say, oh, it's easy, just do this, because that's so frustrating, because to you, it might be easy. To them, it isn't. What you're talking about, I've seen before with juggling. We had a personal development class at one of the schools that I was leading, and the teacher taught them juggling. That was that was a lesson that he taught the kids. And everybody's like, what, what are you kidding me? A teacher's teaching them juggling in high school? The lesson was effective effort. Exactly. And it was about being able to apply effective effort to any aspect of your life, which is what you're talking about. What do you have to do? How do you do it? How are you going to go about learning to do it? And then how you move forward. You said something else that really stuck out to me is, are you interested in doing it in part of those steps? So talk to me a little bit about motivation and commitment. And how do leaders help guide teachers and teachers help guide students past the motivation piece, right? Because motivation is not a constant. Motivation happens and then it goes away. How do we help people move from that motivation to an actual commitment to the work so that when they do look at that person and say, hey, how did they get there? How can I work to get there? They stick with it and they take actual steps or they perform effective effort. That's kind of my mission. And, and that's yours, too. You know, as as leaders, whatever our titles may be, that's as a coach, that's kind of my driving force. As an administrator, it's yours. I mean, that's why my acronym is Activate, Innovate, Motivate. Yours is Support, Engage, Empower. That's how, by doing all those things. And, you know, to go back to your earlier question of, of the coaching piece and the domains of digital learning, those are, it's really not domains of digital learning because it's broader than that. What I talk about, those three domains are wellness, competency, and creativity. 
And with technology, it's, it's too broad. And talk about that engagement, motivation, and connection. If a teacher wants to use technology better, well, that's too much to do all at once, and it's too hard to nail down. So I'd say, all right, let's look at these three domains. Is it wellness that you're looking at? Is it competency that you want your students to build? Is it creativity that you want to showcase? Let's start with one of those. Within there, let's really try to identify what is it you're trying to bring out and which of these speaks to you. Start with that. Because if you start with what someone's passionate about or what they care about, then there's that intrinsic connection, that motivation that's going to take care of some of it for you so that when you get to the parts that you don't want to do, but we have to, right? You can't always think outside the box because we are within a box of constraints or budgets or schedules or whatever it is. Finding those things that people are passionate about or care about, I think is really critical to making that relationship as a, as a leader, as a coach, as a principal, as whatever. You've got to make, you've got to find that connection point where someone cares about what they're doing, cares about why their students are doing it. So that it doesn't just become this transactional process of teaching and learning with the banking model I've been hearing about lately, where it's just deposits and withdrawal. But truly, are you trying to showcase, are you really trying to reach and hear every kid's voice? Are you trying to showcase learning? Are you trying to get beyond the bulletin board to really build showcase-worthy material where you're promoting students and their voices and their ideas and not just trying to assign their grades and complete their projects? Actual learning and understanding right on. and a sense of belonging. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. So as a coach, what can leaders do to help you in your daily tasks, your job that you're doing, your over all the way up to your overarching vision of what you would like to accomplish in a school? What is it that coaches need from leaders to really get their hands in there? Yeah, it's interesting. Our district is pretty interesting because we have a full-time digital learning coach at every elementary school. But part of our role, we are also the tech support within our building. So I'm trying to really build practices and relationships as an instructional leader and as you know, building the partnership. But I'm also the toner boy. I'm also the projector guy. I'm also the guy. So those two things work against each other a lot. And what I was really able to nail it down to, because I don't I always try not to have sports metaphors for every coaching connection, but they're very apt sometimes. And this is a good one because I was able to finally speak to our administration about it's really hard to build effective coaching when members of the team regard you and also need you as their equipment manager. And it's true. They need that equipment manager. If there's not someone 
taking care of the projectors, the bulbs, the all the tech support. I'm within that role. And that that view undercuts that ability to really look at higher level instructional coaching and curriculum support. So that's just my personal, you know, uh, mission. But it's really critical to articulate the difference between the two because it all aligns with Jim Knight stuff too. Our district is really going through a Jim Knight coaching partnership model, which is great. And he talks about amplifiers and multipliers and and I love it, I love it, I love it. And then I feel like, do we have practices in place that are eroding the relationship you're trying to build at the same time. And I do think that's the case. And I kind of think it's the case everywhere I've visited, talked to, whether someone's called a coach, a tech integration specialist, you know, or innovation leader, we all have different names, but we always end up doing really similar things. And what we want to do is showcase kids learning, really promote teacher agency, get projects, get ideas, and, and, Interesting, one of the things I found, and we I think we talked about this last time, was finding those 20, 30-year teachers who love the projects they do. In no way do I ever go into a classroom and suggest anyone stops doing a particular activity. What I do is really try to find that respect for what that activity is, and maybe it can be freshened up, maybe it can be totally flipped differently, maybe it can, you know, or maybe it doesn't need to be. You know, maybe not everything needs to be digitized and computerized and innovated, but there are opportunities there that people, I think, just forget about sometimes. I've I've been guilty of it myself. You know, you pull that same folder out for 15 years and awesome lessons, an awesome lesson for a reason. But maybe we can find ways of, okay, that awesome lesson, how can I share that with parents differently? So it's not a matter of really tearing up the lesson or ditching anything in that regard, but it's what can you do with what you've generated? How can you then take what students have made and broaden it out? How about students create the podcast? How about, how about they create that website? If you're that committed to a bulletin board, dear teacher, can we take that bulletin board and stick a QR code on it so that the disengaged student from the class who didn't do the activity could provide a narration and context and kind of annotate what that is? Or again, every voice has to be included. Every voice matters. There's so much what you just said. I, you basically just gave like a short PD lesson. Should I, should I send a check to you or? <laughs> I'll come down to your school. There you go. You've talked about two things that stood out, or at least that I took. I'm sure the listeners took so much more from it, but two things that stood out about what you just said. And I'll start with the last one first because it's fresh in our mind. It's about really honoring and respecting where people are. We talk about entry points and we talk about the ability to meet students where they are. But often as leaders and sometimes as coaches, we forget that we need to do that with teachers. That teacher that has that lesson that's been doing that same lesson for years, we need to honor that that's where they are. And maybe they're doing that lesson that way because they haven't seen the value in adding a technology component to it. So it really becomes part of our job or charge to show them that value. And when you're talking about the difference in coaching, and then I'll let you have a run at both these. And then when you're talking about the the difference with coaching and equipment manager, it really comes down to something that we know that we still fight in schools. And I don't know why. This is a very frustrating aspect. I I get because of the economic piece, but focus first distraction. How are you supposed to concentrate on coaching up teachers 
getting into their classrooms, meeting them, honoring where they are, and finding ways that match their instructional style as a way to incorporate technology. If you're constantly distracted by all the other little tasks that pull you away from that, that need to be done, but they're distracting to you. It's the whole idea of when people talk about open door policies. There are times, open door policies, sure, come in and talk, but there are times where there shouldn't be an open door policy if you really need to get the work done that you need to get done. So those are the two messages that I got out of out of your little, your talk there. My rant? I wouldn't say rant. No. I, hey, I said it was like teaching. I, I said All it was right, like a little lesson. So. Good. Yes, it is like PD because it speaks to what we want to be doing and how we want to be do it, doing it differently. And how do you concentrate on the important stuff when there is that other stuff that needs to be done? I don't really know. But partnership with leadership, I think, is really important. You know, if at least if a principal and administrator says, I I know what you are passionate about. I believe in what you do. And I know it sucks that you have to do this. And I'm sorry that, you know, that goes a long way because it makes me, at least it, it's seen and it's heard and it's where we're moving to. At least I know there's a shared vision of of wanting to improve that and wanting to shift maybe that priority. But I know the priority is there, right? To the earlier point of of that, part of the coaching thing for me is, it's really interesting. And this is a gym night thing that when I got to this chapter, I it seemed so obvious and I was like, get out of here. But it was, you know, as a coach, it was forget about the idea of trying to lead anyone anywhere. It's, it's not about you as the coach, it's not about your agenda. And it's really about eliciting and soliciting what it is that is that that individual's goal and how do you partner to try to help them? You know, it's like the George Coros thing from their point A to their point B. It's not about, you know, I'm, I'm really not, it's not a book creator training. I'm not a trainer. And if you're viewing your, your staff and your professionals as just PD trainers and tech trainers in your building, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a bunch of people who are really good at delivering and operating products. And there's a responsibility for the operational piece, but it doesn't match my vision and it doesn't match someone's emotional experience of being a leader in a classroom and engaging kids. Yes, they need to know how to operate their devices, but when you can find what they care about and find, it might just begin with one little project, but when we can get past the operational piece to really get into the the teaching and learning and what does it take to to bring that instruction, how can we enhance it? How can, what is it that you need? What is it that you want? What is it that you want to be able to do? How can we move, you know, how can I help you move this line forward? It changes everything. And, you know, it's it's a very big learning curve. And I, I'm, I feel like I'm early on, even though I've now been doing this for years, but it's a shift because, you know, it's it's just a different way of thinking. And a lot of us, who do this job have been classroom teachers and are moved into this role for one reason or another. But usually it's because we want to do what my book kind of talks about that moving from impact influence instead of 22 kids at a time, you want to be influencing a staff, a district, state, national, local, whatever it is. It's that drive to want to be contributing more and wanting to be really seeing results and change and feeling like, I've got some voice somewhere. I've got some ability, some capacity, you know, and and to remind ourselves just to keep it simple sometimes. Keep it to the ABCs. Always build capacity. And if I can help you, you know, you have an idea and I heard 
you tried this and you reach out and that's that's like that's music to our ears when we hear as coaches that someone sees in you the ability to help them grow. You are saying so much. I could have you on for like, and, and people can't see us because we're talking, but I, I leaned back in my chair. I'm taking notes. I'm like, I could listen to you forever. <laughs> You're saying so many good things about leadership and and what lead, not just what leadership should be, what, what leadership could be um, if we well, approached it. Yeah. And you know, I, I say this to principals all the time. Like, I feel like part of your job is to convince me why I'd ever want your job and no one's done it yet. So it's, Give me time. Give me time. Yes. So, you know, this book, the part of it was also finding these people who didn't take those traditional pathways and finding people who found real um, success, like Neely Bartley is another great example. I know you know her and she's, and it's leading beyond your title and finding ways to, to make those connections and make and really impact change and deliver something from where you're at. And it often, I feel like often it's, those who are not constrained by their titles and their roles and responsibilities. And most principals I know, like I said, it's no one's convinced me why I want that job. So it's those other lanes and other ways. And that's not entirely true because you love your job more than anyone I know. When I saw you dancing around in your in in the mascot suit at your school, oh, I was like, suit. oh my God. Yeah. So you love your job. I but if there's a difference between loving your job and me wanting I don't have that capacity and I know I don't. So, you know, where can I affect change in my own small way? I keep finding, trying to find new ways to do it, finding, you know, curious characters along the way who want to partner with me. I'm grateful that you're one of them. You're, well, thank you. But you're saying such powerful things that as people go through this episode and listen to this episode, you could easily listen to this episode and move along and say, yeah, that's some really good stuff that Jed's saying. but. I encourage people, and I I know that anybody that's sitting here taking notes listening to this is going to reflect on this because what you're saying is really on a deeper level. When you break it down and think about, you know how when something happens and you say, okay, well, that affected that. It's almost like if you give a Masa cookie books, where if this happens and this happens and this happens, if you think about, if you really reflect on what you are saying and think about all the different legs to it and the impact that that would have, you're saying some serious stuff. People are going to get a, a ton of value out of this. Now, you you mentioned something that I'm not going to let go. You mentioned the idea of collaborating with people and projects. Any new projects on the horizon? Any idea for any projects that you can lift the hood on? Yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I never considered myself an author. And the, the fact that I, I wrote two books in 2022 is a little bit ridiculous. But I'm also, I'm super proud of it. And like I said, for me, they're projects. They're not products. Like when I finish it, I'm I'm proud that it's over. And my mind is like, it's it's out of my brain at that point. And I bet you've had a similar thing where it's like, okay, I suddenly have ideas for something new rather than oh, yeah. putting more and more and more finishing touches on something else. So I love this idea going kind of what we're talking about with capturing student creativity. The The other workshop I presented last Friday is what gave me this possible idea for a next project. It was called Power Up Publishing. And what I realized, it's more than just a million ideas for instead of the bulletin board. So maybe it'll be called Beyond the Bulletin Board. Don't steal that title. I'll I'll leave it alone. I promise. The idea is how are we, how can we really capture that student creativity? How are we really celebrating every voice? And that's the subtitle to the whole thing is every student in the room. 
And when you do a podcast with kids and when you hand out iPads and you say, teach me something that you're good at, you're going to hear voices and you're going to see characteristics and you're going to see kids come to life in ways that they're not going to do with the, the same traditional presentation methods that we've used forever, forever. And not that those aren't great, but when we give options, when you give a choice board or menu of, you know, you can present with a video, you can stand up and present to your class, or you can do a song or you can do a podcast or create a website, you know, just like the bulletin board, if you're that committed to your cardboard trifold, do you, can you conceptualize that the cardboard trifold is actually a static web page where there's a topic that shoots off to all these subtopics and each of those can be pages? Why not have a student build a Google site? that presents the same information, but you've got real links and real skills in the process of doing that, you know, gives students a skill they walk away with. So I think the next project is going to be something like that, a real guide, a real collection of activities for teachers to think about, you know, rethinking and redefining what student publishing is really all about from a purpose point of view and a practical point of view. All right. So everybody heard it first here, because if you didn't, if you didn't get the idea, about my thoughts on Jed and especially his two books, Take Aim at Digital Learning and Impact to Influence, then you've kind of missed the point here that this is quality stuff. Jed's a quality guy. He puts out quality stuff. So if you catch wind of this new project that suddenly comes to fruition, it's definitely something you want to be involved in and take a look at. And like I said, I I love you know, meeting people, the Impact Influence Project was all like I, you know, it really was in many ways a selfish way to just connect with all these people who I, I was dying to hear their stories, but also connect them with each other. So I love when someone connects with me and says, I have an idea. What do you think about this? And I'd love to partner with projects and visit schools and share my book talks. And, you know, I, I could sit and talk to you for hours longer. So I really appreciate you having me on and, you know, the dialogue is, it's not a one-way street. So I really appreciate just the, the thinking and the probing and the talking. So this is your second time on, but I don't let anybody out of here without answering my two questions. Let's see how you do on them this time. Go ahead. The first one, if you weren't in education, if you weren't a leader, who, not what would you be? I forgot that you were going to ask this question. So I, yeah. didn't, I didn't prepare anything. <laughs> yeah. That's even better. My answer may be similar to what I said last time. I don't know, but who I would be would be someone searching for my purpose. You know, I'm, I'm, it's a constant journey and we're all searching and I know I'm in the right space and place and time. And if I'm not doing exactly what my purpose is, I love the fact that I'm finding ways to make it. So here's the thing about that answer. The answer doesn't necessarily have to be the same. And I'd be surprised if it was because we evolve and you clearly, as you're working towards your purpose, are evolving. So that's what I like about that answer is that right, it's that whole you. idea of continuous improvement. The last one, I'm going to give you another crack at the soapbox. What's the most important piece of advice you'd give to leaders and teachers as they work with their students to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? Support, engage, empower. It begins with those three for sure. It's funny, my questions I would I asked people in my book was, are you a risk taker, a rule breaker, or a change maker? And I think my advice is to ask yourself those three questions. Are you a risk taker, rule breaker, change maker? Are there times when you're either of those things? But most importantly, is it in service of students? Is it in service of learning? Are the practices you're doing, are you 
are you to your support, engage, and power? Is it in service of students and is it in service of the reason you got into this job in the first place? So many leaders we see, so many teachers we see, that's, that's eroded so far away from why they got into the job that I think a leader's job is to remind them why they're here in the first place. Fantastic. I just, there's a pause because I, there was so much I want to say. I was, I was actually going to say, you just watched your third episode. We're there going to we talk go. about 3.0. Go to the original why. <laughs> You'll be the first person to get three. But um, Jed, thank you so much for being on today, really. Uh, you know, every time I talk to you, I learn. And it is a selfish thing for me with the podcast because I learned so much from my guests. But especially having you on the second time, I learned so much more around. What's the best way people can reach out and get in touch with you? Well, thank you again very much. And again, thank you for being part of my book. I, you know, when I when I shot the idea at you the first time, I knew I wanted you in it. And you were very humble. You said, aim higher. <laughs> you belong <laughs> You belong in that book. And your story is one that others can follow too, because it's all for the right reasons. And you know why, exactly why you're doing what you're doing. And the pieces that aren't feeding that for you, you're making it. I mean, this podcast is a perfect example. So I'm grateful that you're your voice is included. I'm grateful that you're a leader locally as well. So how can folks reach out to me? Uh, jedpd.com. I actually did make a website. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me. You can email me. There's probably a link associated with with this. Um, jedstaff1 at Gmail. Uh, reach out. And like I said, you, you know, poke around that website, see some of the things we do, or reach out if you have a project you want to try to bring to life, and maybe we can brainstorm how to do it together, or I can just connect you with someone who can do it better. Doesn't got to be me. Perfect. He means what he says, folks. He's an authentic, honest, trustworthy guy. I'll hook all of your things up in the show notes. So make sure you check those out. And really, everybody, do yourselves a favor and pick up the books from Jed. We've got Impact to Influence is the latest. And the first one was Take Aim at Digital Learning. So thank you once again, Jed. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be on. Can't wait for number three. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.